This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Did y'all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's, get, let's have us a good Bible study here for about 40 minutes, and uh, I'll teach you some stuff, and uh, you'll be blessed. Amen? Praise God. So, if you have a Bible or a device that you're using, let's open them to uh, John's Gospel, chapter 8, if you can find that opening in your Bibles. John chapter 8. I want to talk to you about changing the way you think. And, uh, you know, we all have different backgrounds, upbringings, influences, things of that nature, which either can contribute to or actually be a detriment uh, where our lives are concerned. And so thank God for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He came as a sacrifice and a ransom for each and every one of us so that we could have his life. He said, I came, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so that you could have life and life more abundant. Praise God for the abundant life that he came to give us. Amen. And that's all found within the reality of the new birth, being born again. And you know, I've been born again now for 45 plus years, but I tell you what, the more and more as I study the Word of God and in my relationship with God, the more I realize, you know, I don't think that we realize what really took place when we got saved, when we gave a heart to Jesus. I mean, the redemption that is in Him. I mean, obviously, we recognize this transformational change within our hearts, you know, that no longer were we living under the tyranny of sin and, and the consciousness of sin but our sins had been washed away because of the blood. And thank God for that. But when you become a part of his family, when you become a child of his, that puts you in a whole nother place. And I don't know, you know, that uh, we sometimes realize what it is that he's actually done for us. Now, the Bible does say that it's gonna take the ages to come in order for him to show us the, the, the exceeding kindness of his grace. But thank God we're down here on the earth right now. We could use a little bit of revelation on it so we could use it, amen, while we're here. And so uh, being born of the Spirit of God is a game changer, hallelujah. And then to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, a lot of times I've said before, you know, there'll be people that are controversial about the subject and things like that, but it's just because of what they don't know. You know, ignorance when it comes to the things of God is not bliss, okay? You know, the Bible, when Paul was praying a lot, very often, he said that he wanted us to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so when Jesus told his disciples to wait in the city of Jerusalem until they received the promise of the Father or until they were endued with power from on high, it must have had significance. In other words, he said, don't you leave home without it. Hallelujah. And so, of course, on the day of Pentecost, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Hallelujah. Thank God for heaven. Amen. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Hallelujah. And, you know, when those of uh, Jerusalem heard what was taking place and heard them speaking with tongues, one of the testimonies was that we do, what is all of this going on? We do hear them speak in our own language or tongue, the wonderful works of God. So somehow or another, because of this utterance that was given to them, even though it was an, uh, a language unknown to them, they were declaring the wonderful works of God. So there's other things with regard to being filled with the Spirit that is tremendously powerful for the child of God. That's not really my subject tonight. I wanna to talk to you again about changing the way you think. Because again, people, sometimes they go, they live and they die, and they never get some of these things figured out, and they suffer. How many of you know Jesus doesn't want you to suffer? Amen? I mean, there's a lot of ugly in the world, and Jesus came to redeem us from it. So what we need to do is we need to learn from him, from the master, the things that we need to know, and, and so that we can be free, you know, that we're not bound by you know, all of the things that are going on in the world. We are, our citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. So our citizens, citizenry isn't even here. So why would we take our cue or clue from, from the world that is around us? 
And, that, and so that's what we're going to talk about. I, I trust it will be a blessing to you. But let's read this uh, scripture here. Jesus is talking. Notice uh, in verse 12, the eighth chapter, notice it says, Then spake or spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Think about that again with me, if you would please. Let's read. It says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Well, the antithesis of that, of course, is you don't follow him, you won't be walking in the light. But he did say, I am the light of the world. And he said that you would have the light of life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Let's drop down into verse 30, the same chapter. Jesus then spake these words, and many believed on him. And then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue, or we could say remain, or stay in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. If you continue in my word, if you stay in my word, if you abide in my word, if you rest in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. You know, there's times when Jesus spoke to the disciples. He says, you know, there's a lot of things that I'd like to tell you right now, but he, you know, the King James says you cannot bear them now or understand them. Of course, he knew that once the Holy Ghost came and these men became born of the Spirit of God, then they would have the teacher on the inside of them to bring revelation with regard to the Word of God, and it would be kind of like an aha moment for them. You know, I don't know how it was for you, but when I read the Bible before I was saved, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, it was just like it was a good way to take a nap. You know what I'm saying? But then when I got saved, all of a sudden my eyes were opened. You know, he said, I'm the light of the world. If you'll follow me, praise God, then you'll have the light of life. If you don't, then you won't. So Jesus offers the believer, the child of God, well, he actually offers the whole world what it is that we're talking about. It's just a matter of people making up their mind, deciding that they're going to follow him. Amen? But so in here, in these scriptures, he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems like that the truth is in short supply these days. Huh? I mean, when you look at the world and everything that's going on, I mean, <clears throat> most of what's being told to the world is not true. You know, people are being manipulated and all kinds of things, you know, and, uh, and, um, and, and the truth is, you guys, that a lot of people, they don't know what to believe or even who to believe. You know, because we're going down this path, and all of a sudden, well, that, that wasn't necessarily true, and this might be this, and what we're finding that out may not be so good, you know. And so there's just so many voices out there that are saying all kinds of things. But thank God, His living Word, the Word of God, is an eternal thing, and it is always true, and we can always rely on it. Hallelujah. And, you know... <laughs> recently, you know, ever since this COVID thing hit, you know, when that first started, something on the inside of me said, hmm, there's been a shift, been a big, 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 big kind of shift. And, um, you know, and I'd just like to suggest to you in the context of this that the reason for the, what I would call the sudden uptick in insanity, okay, uh, it's, it's not something, you guys, that just happened, these things have been going on for decades. Clear back in the 60s, who was that gal that got prayer out of the uh, school? Uh, remember what her name was? Any of you? Uh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, back in the 60s, um, she managed um, to get prayer out of the schools. And, and that really, maybe something else prior to that, you know, started, but probably... That's her. Thanks, Bill. There you go. Takes a while, but I'll, I'll take it. It's all right. It's got to let it percolate a little bit. O'Hara, back in, I think, 63 or 4. And all of a sudden, here we go. Now, you know, you got you to realize that we're talking 50, 60 years ago. So decade after decade, this 
systematic chipping away uh, of what it is that we have been experiencing. And so it, it, it just, but all of a sudden, I mean, boom, you know, uh, last year, I mean, all of a sudden, everything seemed to, you know, start taking off with regard. But the stage had been set by that, you know. And so, so for decades, it's been developing in people. And here's the thing. What's happened is, is people have voluntarily, and I want to make that point clear, started removing themselves from God and his influence in their lives. Maybe not intentionally, but it's been happening nevertheless. And all of a sudden, they don't recognize the need for him in their lives. And so they just do whatever they do. You know, today, I mean, when it comes to any moral absolutes, most people, you know, especially younger, they don't have any. I was talking to a person one time here not long ago. It was a parent. And I really, I really can't say what it is that she said, making reference to her own son, who wasn't married, but, you know, had some vanity issues in his life. And the biggest reason that he was concerned about it is, is that he wouldn't be able to pick up a girl. And he's telling this to his mother. And I'm thinking to myself, what on God's green earth is, is going on here, you know? And, but, but again, you know, the immorality, uh, the mental uh, mindset of the world in which we live is, is depraved. But again, let me just say, it didn't happen overnight. It's been something that's been going on for a long, long time. And so what ends up happening is, is people, they, you know, they move further and further away from God, and then they decide they don't need God, but the reality is they need him desperately. They need him so much. But what's happening then is, is they begin to challenge the authority of God and his word, you know, because all of a sudden, because God's word is clear, and it will find you at fault, and it brings, you know, not only guilt, but condemnation, or not condemnation, but punishment, and guess what? People don't like that, and so they push it down further and further. There are other things, I think, that have influenced this, and, you know, just the reckless abandonment of moral integrity and, and godly values and truth and honesty. Now, here's what the Bible says. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's the King James Version. Another version says, where there's no prophetic vision or there is no, um, <clears throat> where there is no divine guidance, okay, that people, well, the New King James, is that what's up there? Okay, when people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the word of God is joyful. Can you go back to the New King James there, uh, Julia? Where there is no revelation of God, people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. So in other words, I guess what I'm saying to you is, is that the world can be going down the tubes, but that doesn't mean you have to, okay? Now, you may be mocked, you may be criticized, you may be scorned, or whatever the case might be, but at least you'll stay sane. Are you listening to me? And so that's why it's important. But people who do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Now, let's go over to uh, Romans here. Um, you know what? Let's, let's, let's pass by that because we don't have time to do that. You go read Romans chapter 1, verses 20 through 32, and Paul, he actually talks about the condition that we've, well, let's read it. We're there. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. All you got to do is look at nature. I mean, it declares the glory of God, okay? I mean, this, this didn't happen out of a bang theory, Okay? We didn't have an explosion and have this. This is divine order. You know, let's see, what is today, the uh, 16th? Five days will be the summer solstice. So we're going to go as far up one way or this way as, as we can, and we're going to start going back. My, my wife's a little bummed because she likes summer, not winter. How many of you could agree? But anyway, on Monday next week, without fail, this earth stops and starts going back the other direction year after year after year. Now, don't tell me that an explosion makes that happen. Because most explosions that I've been a part of, 
It's mostly chaos in the aftermath, you know what I'm saying? But so here in this verse, he says, the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal uh, power and Godhead, so that everyone and everything is without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations or their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You know, you hear all this thing about the elite, you know, that are in our world, you know, and in our country right now. They're so foolish. They're clueless. Professing themselves to be wise, they have become fools. They don't know anything about what it is that they're talking about. So it goes on then to say, and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now, I want you to underline these words. Wherefore, God also gave them up. Okay? Because it's going to be repeated here a number of times, and I want you to see it. Now, it isn't that God wanted to give them up. All right? Don't get the mistaken idea that God has somehow just said, well, there you go. But what's happened is, is because of their choices people's choices and decisions, God has said, all right, if that's the way you want it, then you can have it that way, okay? So understand the context. It isn't God's desire, but you know, people are free moral agents to decide what they're going to do. So in this verse, he says, wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They changed the truth of God into a lie. So the LBGT, QU, whatever, 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 have done just that, okay? Change the truth into a lie, worship and serve the creature more, creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Now, notice verse 26. For this cause, listen, again underlying, God gave them up to vile affections. For even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. In other words, they can, uh, another translation says it this way, committing indecent acts, receiving in their own persons the due penalty uh, of their error. You know, the pharma industry is getting rich off of the immorality of our country and the world. You know, they're, they're laughing all the way to the bank. They got every kind of drug you can imagine to try to deal with these STDs and everything else that's going on in people's lives. And it's killing people. It's ruining their lives. It's destroying the, the fabric of, of the people, of the, of the person. And, uh, and so, you know, you can, you, can, you, can, you can paint it and dress it up and you can do whatever it is that you want, but it's, it's ruining people's lives. And what they're trying to do is force everyone to accept their way of life, you know? Well, remember Sodom and Gomorrah, you know? God went down, took a look, said, yep, it's everything I've heard and torched it. So I don't see how we can think that, that you know, people are going to get by with it, even though they think that they do. So now notice, I, I'm, this is going to get better. You can just say, well, thank God I'm not part of that group. Okay, all right. Uh, look at verse 28. Um, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, notice again and underline it, God gave them up or gave them over. Now notice, to a reprobate mind, a mind that is void of judgment, to do those things that are not convenient. So being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, uh, malignity, uh, whispers, biters, haters of God, despisers, proud, boastful, inventors of evil things, disobedient to their parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affliction, or affection, um, heartless and unmerciful. 
who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do it. So they're having their own big party together, but I tell you what, there is a recompense coming. So that's why if it's possible, I remember one time we had a, uh, two guys that were coming here that were homosexuals, and we tried to work with them, especially the one, because typically one is the controller, you know, and a lot of times they'll have an, uh, an evil spirit that drives their behavior. And the other one is the weaker one of the two. And we really, really, really tried to help. We tried to help both of them. But some of them, they don't want to be helped. Did you hear me? They don't want to be helped. Well, then you, there's nothing you can do about it. But I do, um, I, I don't know whatever happened to them. They, they eventually left the church and things of that nature. And, and uh, so we endeavored, let's put it that way. But it's a terrible lifestyle. You know, um, the, the uh, suicide rate amongst uh, men and women that are involved and engaged in that is huge. And so um, it, it's hideous. But here's the thing you need to realize. It, it comes from hell. And it's the devil trying to destroy people's lives. So as much as we, you know, it, it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, not to look at the person but the reality is, in many ways, they have yielded or given themselves over to these things. Are you with me? So, if there's opportunity for us to be able to speak in their lives and help them, then we should certainly do that. Uh, amen? Okay. So, um, so, uh, so, that's the one side. Let's talk about the other side. Y'all ready for some good news? <laughs> okay. Good. You know, but, but so... Here we have the believer, child of God, one born of the Spirit. And uh, thank God they haven't walked away. In other words, they haven't, you know, been turned over to everything that we talked about here, but they haven't walked away. But they're still having problems, hanging on by a thread, uh, you know, having difficulty getting victory, still plagued by chronic ongoing dysfunction, things in their lives that cause condemnation or, or guilt. So what do we do about that? You know, is that something we just live with, or is there a remedy? Well, i like to suggest to you, praise God, there is a remedy. Amen? Let's look at it in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. What can we do? <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse, or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul here says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, uh, that you present your bodies. Everybody say bodies. Yeah, bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Remember I told you I want to talk to you about changing the way you think? If we have issues or problems within our lives, they can be changed, amen, by the power of his word and the renewal of our mind. Now, the Apostle Paul here, you know that we are three-part beings. When we're born again, it is the real you or the spiritual part of you that is born of the Spirit, when God changes your nature and gives you everlasting life or eternal life, and you become a new creation in Him, okay? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When I got saved and Jesus came and cleansed my heart and made me a new creation, I knew I was a different man. But my mind and my body were not dealt with, there was no change whatsoever, still thought the same way I thought, still, you know, behaved the same way I behaved, but there was something different because he was in me. So my point to this is, is that God is the one who recreates, you know, the person to make them a new creation, but then you and I are responsible to do something with our bodies and with our minds. Because if you don't, Nothing will change. Your flesh and your mind will gang up on your heart and they will control it and whip it and leave it for dead. You know what I'm saying? 
figuratively speaking. But I tell you what, if you'll start to renew your mind to the Word of God and let your spirit and your mind begin to work with your flesh and say, no, you don't, we ain't doing that, and start to change the way that you think and allow God to form in you what it is that He wants to do, man, He can change your life forever. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Now, here's some other translations. Uh, Philip's translation of verse 2 says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. That's, that's exactly what's going on with critical race and all of these different things that are going on right now. Sensitivity training, all these different kinds of things, you know. And uh, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God is good, meets all of his demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. I like the New Living Translation. It says it this way. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, thank God, and, and pleasant. Praise God, or perfect, it says. So we understand that, you know, we get changed supernaturally, but then we've got to renew our minds. And that's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, I, I say it very often. When I got saved, I talked to my, one of my best friends, and I said, something has happened to me, but I don't know what. So he explained to me, you know, the new birth and being born again. But then I had to start changing the way that I thought. Because I just came out of the world. I was doing everything that the world does, you know, thinking the way the world thinks. And all of a sudden, I, I, I'm doing an about face, and I'm having to make some decisions about who I'm going to serve. I mean, you know, there are decisions that go along with all of this, you know. So it says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. We're not to act like the world, you know. You act like the world, you know, you'll be defeated. And not only that, but you'll just reap the consequence of it, and it's a bummer. But thank God it doesn't have to be, amen? So when it comes to the challenges that we're dealing with in our lives, you know, thank God we don't have to allow that. So if anyone is to have a successful way of life, they have to renew their minds and change the way that they think and then, of course, not uh, yield to the dictates of the flesh. You know, it, we, don't, we won't take time to do it, but in Galatians, you know, when Paul was writing, he said, he said the, the works of the flesh are obvious, you know, King James used the word evident. It's real plain. He goes down through a laundry list of different things, you know, that basically are just works of the flesh. Anger, uh, jealousy, uh, envy, all these different kinds of things. And he said, uh, you know, that you're to walk in the Spirit. In other words, follow the Holy Ghost. And he talks about the fruit of the Spirit that's love and joy and peace. Well, again, when you're dealing with these kinds of things and getting your thinking changed, uh, uh, turned around and changed, there's some challenges. Any of you had any challenges? Uh-huh. Promise me. I know. We all have, and you will have. But the more that you renew your mind, the less likely you are to yield to those things of the flesh. Amen? So that when they come your way, you can just say, no, nah, no, no, we ain't doing that. Been there before. Done that. Rode the horse. Got the t-shirt. Don't like it. And so we just don't go there. Amen? You say, can you do that? Sure. You know, people, you know, there are people fussing and fighting all the time. You know, my wife and I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bragging on us, but we don't fight. Okay, why? Because it's not an option. It is not an option. If I love her, then I'm not going to mistreat her. I'm not going to speak disparagingly to her. Now, we're human just like everybody else, and we can disagree and all of that. But there are certain parameters within our relationship with one another that we, that's not an option. And it comes with maturity, it comes with time, and so on and so forth. You know, like I said, it's a process, but you just don't go there. We, we don't go there, okay? And it makes for a whole lot better life. Are you with me? 
then you don't have to wait till like three days from now so that you can make up and get all straightened out and feel better. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. All right? <clears throat> Life's too short. Praise God. Let me make this statement to you. Um, you know, if, if people really want to change, the first step toward real change within their lives is to esteem and to revere and to hold the highest regard for God's living word. You, you guys, I'm telling you, you literally, you have got to get down before God and yield yourself to his counsel. And I'm telling you what, a lot of people don't do it because it's not that important to them. And they'll never have victory in their life. If you don't submit to that, that word, it's not going to happen. That's all there is to it. And, you know, I mean, um, people have to make their own decisions and whatnot. But I tell you what, praise God, it is worth it to have the kind of life that he wants you to have. And you're going to be challenged. There's no question about it. About the time, you know, uh, I see that there's some single, you know, uh, gals and maybe some guys that are here tonight. And, and so you make the decision, baby, I'm going to revere the word of God. I'm going to esteem it. I'm going to do it. And you go home and, and they didn't get the message and uh, kapow, you know. And all of a sudden you're now faced with a decision about how you're going to respond to that. Okay, I've told the story before, but Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber in England, and he wrote uh, Ever-Increasing Faith and a lot of other uh, books, but he never got saved until I think he was in his 50s, and he was ornery. His, his wife was saved, went to a Pentecostal church, and he didn't like it, and he mistreated her because of her faith, and one time he took all of her shoes and hit him so that she wouldn't be able to go to church. So she found a pair of overboots someplace in some closet, and she went to church in them overboots. Well, that really ticked him off. And so she went to church on another occasion, and he locked her out of the house so that when she came home from church, she couldn't get in. So the next morning when he got up, um, you know, in those days, how many remember the days when metal gold would bring milk to your house? Y'all remember that? Maybe you got to be about soul for that to happen. They used to put it on our front porch. You used to have a milk box, and they'd put one or two quarts in there or whatever it is that you ordered. Well, anyway, so Smith gets up, and he gets up in the morning, and he goes out. He's going to go out on the porch and get the milk. When he opens up the door, she's leaning up against the door. She, fell, she slept there all night. And when he opened up the door, she fell into the kitchen. And so she got up. She says, well, good morning, Smith. How are you? Can I make you some breakfast this morning? Now, I got to tell you, most people wouldn't have responded quite like that, huh? <laughs> but that's what she did. And she literally loved that guy into the kingdom. Got him saved. So what am I saying? Well, you know, when you start renewing your mind, you just live by a different set of rules, and you don't play into the hand of the devil. We're not ignorant of his devices. So you, 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 you restrain or you self-control your life to where you're not just venting stuff and making statements and doing things that you later regret. Any of you ever did that? Bummer, you know? But thank God you can get a little better, you know, just because you failed once, don't quit. And don't give up. You keep going and keep renewing your mind to the Word of God. Hallelujah. So, again, the first step toward real change in our lives is to esteem, to reverence, to hold in the highest regard the Word of God. There's an acknowledgement that comes with that. There is a, a humbling, a, a, a submitting, a, really an accountability to God uh, and a resolve that, that the Word of God is going to be your final authority. You know, um, again, I can only make reference, you know, to, to our experience, but, you know, when Joan gave her heart to the Lord, she started making some tough decisions. When I got saved and turned on to the Word of God, I had some tough decisions. Are you with me? I mean, I'm not trying to suggest to you that it's necessarily easy, 
But you have to decide. What do you want? And, and the thing with me, and, and she'll attest to the same thing, is that for the first time in our lives, we knew that Jesus was real. This is not a game. This isn't religion. This is life. So I, we couldn't deny it, couldn't deny him. And really, in a lot of ways, as far as we were th- concerned, there really was no choice because we were going to serve him. Are you with me? And that's, I think, something that every person has to come to grips with, if you want to call it that, you know, because, uh, well, life is the most meaningful when we're doing his bidding. Amen. So, it, so it's important for us to, to understand that. I, and really what, you know, as a pastor, a lot of times in talking, uh, thinking about different situations and people, you know, in their lives, I, I kind of conclude that you know, it's just not that important to them. Okay? I mean, it's not right or wrong. It's their life. I don't, I'm not going to stand in judgment of them, you know. But, but I mean, if you, don't, if you don't give any regard to the Word or if you don't, you don't want to follow the Master, then, then that's your deal, you know. But if it's important, people always make room in their life for what's the most important thing in their life. Or, I mean, whatever's important, don't they? Huh? I'm getting ready to go on vacation. So all of a sudden, we've narrowed it right down to really what's important. Because why? Because we're leaving on Sunday, and I'm going to be ready. You know how it is? You know? And you start doing the things you got to do. Amen. So, so the same thing's true with our personal lives, you know? I mean, a lot of it, even like tonight, here you are. You're, on a, you're here on a Wednesday night. That's valuable, you know? And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that people that aren't here, you know, well, they just don't care. No, they care. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, you know, that obviously there's value here, and I commend you that you're here to hear whatever it is that I got to say or whoever's going to be in the pulpit. Amen? And I believe that God will bless you for it. Amen? So everything with regard to our success revolves around what you and I do with the Word. You know, influence shapes thinking and behavior. So you sit here tonight and you listen to what the Bible has to say, whether you realize it or not, in some way or another, it's influencing you. And it's influencing you for the good. Like kids, you know, have you ever had your kids, you know, they go over to little Johnny's house. Well, they, they they had a certain disposition, then they went to Johnny's house, and then they came back from Johnny's house. And they didn't have the same disposition. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Why? Influence. That's all, influence. Maybe, you know, there was little upperclassmen or little older kids that were over there, you know, and they've learned some things that maybe they shouldn't be talking about or whatever the case might be. And so that they, they, they influence your child. And so all of a sudden, your little darling comes back and they're talking about stuff they didn't talk about before. And you're asking, where did you learn that? Have you asked that question? Yeah. So again, you know, influence shapes thinking and it also shapes behavior. You think about what's going on in our culture right now. These kids, they didn't start out that way. They've been systematically conditioned to think the way that they think. That's why they're trying to push all this stuff into the, into the uh, elementary ages because they know by the time they get to middle school, that's exactly what they'll think. And so now they're getting pushback from the parents. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Because the stuff's right out of the pit of hell. Are you listening to me? And there needs to be more pushback as far as that part of it is concerned. But that's neither here nor there. So here's the thing. Um, The Bible says that the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 12 and verse 26. So we got to ask ourselves, you know, what are we being influenced by? Huh? I shut Fox News off. Actually, I shut all news off. Amen. It's actually great. It is. <laughs> Thank you, sister. Praise God. You know. And I really, I never got caught up in it at all, even, you know, it wasn't until the uh, election cycle when uh, Trump, you know, won the primary, and then there's all this, you know, and I'm thinking about the other alternative and my concerns and this and that and the other, and really thought she was going to end up winning. I mean, the night before, uh, night before uh, the night of the election, 
Dude, I was, I was, I was bumming. And the next morning, I was rejoicing. Okay? I'm just being honest with you. You know, because I just thought, you know, well, it doesn't matter what I thought. But my point is, is that during that time, all of a sudden, I got real interested in what was going on from a political standpoint. And so when that happened, and we ended up, you know, President Trump became president, I kept watching, you know, just to see all the things that were going on and stuff. I got sucked in. I said, that's the best way to put it, you know? So we go a whole four years, and now here we are getting down into, you know, the weeds with what we got going on here. I said, they ain't no good coming out of this. And I literally had to say, that's it, we're done. And it's freeing. I said, it's freeing. Amen. You say, well, I never had a problem with it anyway. Well, good for you. Praise the Lord. You know, that's awesome. So you got to ask yourself what it is that you're being influenced by. Um, uh, Joyce Meyer made this statement. She said, you can't have a positive life and a negative mind. You can't, you know. Kenneth E. Hagin made the statement, what we believe is the result of our thinking. If we think wrong, we'll believe wrong. If our believing's wrong, then the things we say will be wrong, and it all hinges on what we think. There's a guy by the name of Bill Johnson who wrote a book, Releasing the Power of Jesus. He made this statement. There's a war going on. You know that, don't you? Okay? So he makes this statement. Most, most of us are acutely aware that we live in a world at war. Now listen to this. The war is not over power, land, or money, or even good and evil. It's something more basic. The war is over truth. And the battlefield is the mind of every person. We don't always think of it in those terms, but that's true. The battlefield is the mind of every person. He made another statement that's really, really powerful. And he said, whenever you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Remember when Adam and Eve were there in the garden and, you know, the devil comes up to him and he says, has God really said? Just think about the way he, he, he crafted the question. Has God really said that you, uh, you know, will die if you eat from that tree and, or from the trees? I don't remember how he kind of manipulated the thing. And, you know, Eve said, well, no, we can, we can do everything, you know, but we, we can't eat from that tree uh, because if we do, we'll die. And he didn't. So, so he, he poses this question in their mind, in her mind, and then he turns right around and gives her a blatant statement and says, you won't die. And she believed him. So when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. So when it comes to, well, you know, I just, I can't change. You know, I've always been like this or whatever. That's not true. Because the reality is there is nothing more powerful than the living word of God. Amen. You know, and how many of you, I mean, we've all done this before. You know, our imagination goes and runs off someplace. And we're just sure that somebody's this or that or the other, only to find out there is no truth to it whatsoever. Am I in the right house? And it's because... You know, we have to harness the way that we think and not allow some of these things to just run roughshod all over us. So there's no stronghold capable of withstanding the power that is inherent within the Word. Turn with me to uh, Second, uh, uh, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll have to bring this to a close and realize we're getting so far away here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Y'all glad you came tonight? I just want to encourage you because, praise God, you know, if we'll just be careful about what it is that we're putting into us, you know, and don't listen to everything. You know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, if there are people around you and all they got to do is talk, you know, what they're talking about is ugly, then get out of it. Find a way. Notice in verse uh, 3 of chapter 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the what? The what? The knowledge of God. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and then having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So you've got, to keep your, you've got to keep your guard up once you get yourself straightened up. Huh? Yeah, amen. But notice it says, casting down imaginations, pulling down strongholds, uh, actually, and then casting down imagination. You know, there's strongholds in people's lives. And, you know, it might be because of the way that you're raised or, you know, the way your mom mistreated you, and I don't have time to get into all that, you know. But, man, it, it, it gives shape to people's lives and causes them. But I'm telling you that God wants to set you free if it's of a, de- a negative nature because it's not God. And I, I think to some degree we all have that in some form or fashion, you know. Maybe, you know, your dad was, you know, mean and ornery and whatever, and, you know, and um, you became the, uh, the object of his frustration. Well, you know, whether you realize it or not, you know, if that happens long enough, by the time you get to be a certain age, a stronghold has been formed. And all of a sudden now, it's, it's giving shape. I think I thought about this one woman, you know, that, that uh, she lived out in a home where her dad would, uh, would uh, you know, uh, blister her bottom just because he was in a bad mood. And then he'd take all this out on her and also on this gal's mother, you know, and mistreating him and things. Well, by the time she got to be 16 years old, she just decided this ain't never going to happen no more. You know, and laugh. But then all of a sudden, she is, she, this, this stronghold has been built up in her thinking with regard to men. Because the person she wanted to be accepted by, which is inherently natural for her, was a person who was not, not showing that toward her. Messed her up. You know, and it wasn't until she'd get a hold of the power of God and God's word to get all of that changed. Are you listening to me? And the same thing's true in our lives. So, so when, when this scripture says, you know, that there are strongholds in our lives, again, I don't, you know, there's no stronghold capable of withstanding his power. Hallelujah. But, but here's the thing. You have to come to grips with this fact, and that is that your life, uh, it won't get straightened out until you renew your mind. You know, some people, they become victims to these things. God wants to set you free. You say, well, how do you do that? You get in the book, let the book get in you, okay? Because it's his power that brings that change. Uh, there's a gal, uh, close with this, but uh, um, she was in our church um, um, for many years, her and her husband, uh, Doc Peterson and Diane, well, she lost, you know, Doc went on to be with the Lord. And um, so she experiences this loss in her life. And, you know, there's a grieving process that's naturally associated with that anytime you lose a loved one. But she noticed for her that it was, it was, it was getting, I wouldn't say weird, but it was, it was really messing with her. Does that make sense to you? You know, and... Um, so she started to resist it because she knew it wasn't hell. She could see, you know, she could sense and see this, this is not right. You know, this isn't the way Doc would want me to live. This isn't what he'd want me to feel or anything of that nature. She was sitting right back there where Gail is in one of our services. And I don't remember what, you know, the circumstance or whatever it was. But all of a sudden, pow, she got set free right there. And she came down and she said, and she told me the whole story. And she says, it's gone. You know, because the thing is, you guys, is the devil, he'll oppress you if you let him. But that's why the Bible says, resist him, praise God, and he will flee from you. There's a lot of other good things that I could probably share with you here tonight, but uh, we need to go. Hallelujah. So, um, y'all want to stand? You better stand or I'll start, start preaching to you again here. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So let's think differently. 
Let's find out what it is that God has done in us, who he's made us to be. Hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Glory to God. Old things have passed away. The devil wants to bring up your past. Say, no, that guy died. You know, let me read to you what the Bible has to say. You know, I mean, and, and there's application to this in, in lots of different areas of our lives. But I tell you what, praise God, he's blessed us. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you. Yes, for your wonderful word, Father. I thank you that you come to redeem us, to reshape and to remold us, to make us the people that you want us to be. God, help us to see as you see. Father, help us not to step into the world's traps and all the things, Father, that the world has to offer. But God, may we, <laughs> may we enjoy your kingdom in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I thank you tonight for these, your people, Father, that have come to receive the word of God, even those watching by the internet. And Father God, we just want to thank you right now for your grace in our lives that brings freedom, that brings blessing, and that brings joy to our hearts. Father God, I ask you to fortify the hearts and minds of these, your people, Father, to fight the good fight of faith, glory to God, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I thank you, Lord, to help them to put on the whole armor of God. And may their loins be girt about with the truth. Thank you tonight, Father, for your blessing in every home. And Father God, I thank you for giving them the weapons that they need and the strategies to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil so that, Father, they don't have to experience hardship and difficulty and the hurt and the pain. So God, I just thank you as they pour their hearts out to you, as they worship you in spirit and in truth, as they praise your wonderful name. Father, as they honor you, Father, by renewing their mind to your word, that God, you'll bring blessing to them in a supernatural kind of way. Thank you for revelation, knowledge, and wisdom, Father, in the lives of those present here tonight that are seeking it. I, th <clears throat> I thank you, Lord. <clears throat> because there's things, Father, you desire to bring to pass in their lives. Help them not to cast away their confidence. Help them, Father, not to give up. Let them just say within their heart, God, I know you have the answer, and I'm looking to you. And I thank you for strengthening them, Father God. Father, bless us in the weeks and months ahead, Father, in our endeavors. And I thank you, Father, for your mercy and your goodness in every one of our lives. Guide us in our giving this evening, Father God, and we just thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. You may